The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Oh, good. Good for you. <laughs> Happy birthday, <Yeah>. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you loved me. Of course I do. Um, Not as much as I love this rank S I'm looking at. <laughs> That's fair. Few <laughs> things in life are as pure as a rank ass. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Backstage Gaming Dramatic Takes on Your Favorite Games. I'm Chris. I'm Dylan. And we're here to talk about theater and games and our experiences with both uh this week we're gonna it's been a while since we did a topic that was very focused on sort of like our experience as actors and so we're gonna bring that back into it a little bit uh we're gonna be what? talking about i know we're gonna talk about things we know how to do uh, <laughs> we're gonna be talking about character creation in games both from the ground up like make your character from scratch kind of things that you see in a lot of RPGs, both uh, digital and tabletop, but mm. also the sort of choice points and decision-making involved in games where, like, maybe there's an established character, but you still get to choose things like different power-ups or different ways of engaging with the game and how that factors into the way that the game feels and the, the way the game tells its story. Before that, Dylan, I have... We, we haven't really done, you know, bits on this show before, but I have oh, kind of a okay. bit for you. Uh, I have a riddle. Okay. Or a, a puzzle that I have been puzzling over all day, and I'm hoping that you can help me shed light on what, I, what exactly I saw. You, you've puzzled um, and puzzled until your puzzler was sore. My puzzler is so fucking sore. Um, <laughs> okay. So I'm at work. And I'm, use, I'm taking a break to use the restroom, and I, I do my business, and I'm washing my hands. And as I'm washing my hands, the most challenging thing that I have ever witnessed happens. A man walks into the bathroom and walks up to the sink. He goes from door to sink. Okay. He holds his hands under the hand dryer. Okay. Rubs them together for a little bit. Removes them. Skips okay. over the water faucet and goes for the soap dispenser. Acquires soap on his now extra dry and hold slightly on, warm hold hands. On. No, 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 I'm not done. <laughs> this let isn't me, let real. Me, let me finish my story. So, do enters bathroom. Dries hands. Okay, you acquires had me so soap, far. Yeah, acquires that's where you soap, lost me. <laughs> lathers soap on dry hands. Returns to hand dryer. <laughs> dries lathery hands and then walks away from the sink and enters a bathroom stall. What? <laughs> he goes into the bathroom stall after drying his after, sudsy after hands. dry sealing his hands? Yes. I don't know what I witnessed. I don't know how to process this. This man is the most chaotic force I have ever encountered in the wild. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. Begin. 
My puzzle is set. Let me try to dissect this. I have no clue. I have no answer here, but he, you know, he, he dries his hands to make sure there is absolutely no moisture yeah, the, on them. He, no he, he, wants, he wants to crack those bad boys. Yes. <laughs> and so, then he, you know, he puts the soap on because, you know, of course, like, we need that, we need that, uh... <laughs> That dry rub sanitation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Shock th- the germs. Then he bakes the soap onto his hands because <laughs> you need that layer. Get because, it crusty. You know, you know sealing I, I, the juices, the it, flavor. <laughs> <laughs> He's making hand ribs. <laughs> and then he takes his hand ribs into the bathroom stall to do unspeakable things with. So maybe <laughs> I also maybe. need you to understand that this happened two hours into my shift, so I had another four and a half oh, so hours of just thinking about this. Every customer I interacted with, I was just thinking about like, but what about his dry suds? So, so maybe, maybe it's like, all right, all right. You know what's gross? Wiping. I mean, it's what you're supposed to do, but, like, maybe, you know, the, the toilet paper's very thin, right? You know, there's there's a lot of skin on paper on There's always action. the chance for a breach. There's... <laughs> oh, God. So, you know, maybe, maybe he seals his hand in a layer of soap for that extra bit of protection. Honestly, I'm gonna believe that, because that is the most logical thing that could possibly be made out of this circumstance. Like, who knows? Maybe you left, and then he rewashed his hands. Maybe I this hope, man is onto something. I hope it's not preparatory and then not after the fact. Yeah, like, alright, my hands that, are clean. I hope that he didn't say, great, now I don't need to wash my hands for the next week, because I did this. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, it was it was deep and dark and full of secrets. Um, so... Thank you for this playing is, in this space with me. This is all I'm going to think about this whole podcast now. I hope you realize this. Yep, we got there. Um, you passed your demons on to me. It's, and now on to all eight of you who listen to us. Um, <laughs> but let's do the actual show that we do here. We're going to talk about character creation because that is arguably, in some games, the biggest single moment of choice that you get to make over the course of a game and i'm very into it for mm-hmm. for anyone who hasn't played a game with a big character creation component uh i'm going to use sort of a classic as the the baseline example for this cuz it it covers a lot of the bases of what i'm thinking about i want to talk to kick us off about the game skyrim uh skyrim is the fifth game in the elder scrolls series which is a popular uh fantasy role-playing game video game series and they are famous at least skyrim and its two predecessors morrowind and oblivion were pretty famous for having some of the most robust character creation in gaming for a while both of all of these games begin with you coming up with the character you want to play you can choose from a variety of fantasy races including like cat people and lizard people and then a variety of different more or less human uh races you lay out sort of what you want your character to be good at in terms of stats so there's things like sneaking or lock picking or fighting or magic or these you know all of the sort of ways of engaging with the world around you in the world of the game and then you also 
in Skyrim, what makes Skyrim extra interesting is you actually increase all of those stats by doing the thing, which is kind of fun and not a system I've seen a ton of other games tap into. So you get better at making armor by making armor. You get better at sneaking mm. by walking around crouched and not being seen. Uh, um, you know what game actually does that? What? Specifically, Final Fantasy 2. That one entry. Really? Like if you, yeah, if you attack with a physical attack, your strength will go up. If you cast a lot of magic, your MP and magic uh, damage will go up. That's really um, cool. And so on and so forth. The only thing is that because it's a game for the NES or Famicom, technically, like it's not very well balanced right. or thought out. So like it can get kind of it grindy. Was, it was a simpler time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. Yeah, no, don't don't <clears throat> never apologize for being you. The thing about games like this, Skyrim being a great example of it, is not only are you making choices about like this is the character I want to play, but those choices actually end up having a pretty big impact not on the scripted story of the game but on sort of the uh to use a term we threw around last episode the emergent narrative of your iteration of that game if you decide you want to roll up a big beefy boy who's gonna fight with big axes and cover himself in metal to just like have a straightforward brawl through the game yes you're gonna hit all the same story beats yes you're gonna have like the same moments that the game writers wrote in but you're also going to have very different moment to moment experiences you're going to face the challenges that the game world presents you very differently you're going to have your own memorable moments of like you know mr beefcake armor man is going to have that moment where like you were on your last sliver of health and you just managed to brute force your way through like the last three skeletons standing between you and the end of the quest Whereas Sneaky McGee is going to have that moment of like, oh man, I almost got caught, but I managed to like use a piece of distracting magic to get the guy to turn around at the last possible minute and just make a break for it. The choices you make early on and the choices you make throughout playing that create your character are going to have repercussions on the story that you experience, which is a very, you know, as I hope became clear last week, if nothing else, I think that moments like that in games are really cool and I want a lot of that. <laughs> Mm. Not in terms of video games, but, you know, again, and I'll probably be referencing this a couple times because it's fresh in my mind. When I was doing Monster of the Week for the Unexplored Places, my character had a lot of... Monster of the Week, you, you roll a character... You don't roll a character, but you, you pick out the skills that you want to use. And one of my skills was I could predict the future by asking a bunch of spirits, like, what lies in my future. And You were just a Ouija boy. I was just a Ouija boy, yes. In return, they would ask me a question about my character, and so obviously that was Christine asking me a question about my character. And so that was like a fun moment of, I had to do some on-the-spot character choices. I love that. That's so cool. Monster of like, the Week is such a cool game. Yeah, it, it was all based on how I perceived my character and how I was playing that role, and what I think would further, not deepen that role, but I, 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 think, you, I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I actually want to jump off of that to talk about a game I have been geeking out about a lot recently. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, there is a tabletop RPG, kind of better term for it, I guess would be like a narrative RPG, called City of Mist. That is, the physical books have not yet been released, but the PDFs are available, uh, which I have acquired. And their oh, physical books are coming? Yeah, they're going to be releasing physical books. Uh, it is a noir superhero detective game. Uh, which 
Basically, that's what I first read, and then I went, I need this in my life immediately and forever. Weep that I am. I, I hear it, and I think Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, you're, I mean, you could do, you could, could very do easily do a Yu Yu Hakusho-esque campaign. And um, that's, that's what's exciting to me about this uh, game. It is an RPG very much focused on narrative and very much focused on storytelling as, a, as like the, the core of the game. Weeks ago, when we talked about tabletop games, we talked. I, I mentioned that like there is a you know D and D is a very crunchy game system. Dungeons and Dragons yeah. is all about the numbers. It's all about the like you know modifiers and math and actual like statistics of what your character is good at. City of Mist is a very smooth game system. It uses sort of a hybrid of two existing game systems. Uh, one of which is the powered by the apocalypse system, which is what Monster of the Week, the game that Dylan. Uh, played on Unexplored Places uh, is based on, which is all built around like what are called playbooks, which are lists of different attributes and different skills. Uh, and when you want to interact with the world, you make a move. So things like uh, in Monster of the Week, there are things like kick some ass, investigate a mystery, things like that. In City of Mist, there are things like investigate or go toe-to-toe or hit it with all you've got or face danger, things like that. But then it also uses a portion of the fate game system which is all about coming up with tags that describe what your character is good and bad at so the way that city of mist works and the why i want to talk about it with character creation in mind specifically is you can basically come up with whatever you want your character to be good at there's no set list of like what abilities are available to you i love Uh, freedom like that that's so cool the premise of the game is that all of the player characters are rifts, which are, they are regular people in the world who are serving as the conduit for a mythos, or plural mythoi, uh, which the game leaves vague. A lot of the things in the game are left very vague to allow you to interpret them as you want to. But basically it's like a supernatural force that acts through your character. You can choose to have it be like an actual mythological god so you could be like oh i'm you know my mythos is thor god of thunder and he so i'm you know a prep cook at a seedy diner who has thunder powers okay or it can be something more vague like you could have it be something like the concept of wrath as described in the seven deadly sins uh okay cool so you pick what your mythos is and then each character has four themes And those themes are divided, you have some themes dedicated to your mythos, and you have some themes dedicated to your logos, which is your just regular person in the world identity. And those themes have categories. So, like, in the mythos themes, there's things like adaptation, which are powers revolving around, like being able to change things up and being, you know, adaptable, or there's expression, which is... So, continue the the Thor example, just so uh, I get an idea. So, yeah, if... Let's take as my as an example character. I decide I want to be a prep cook at a seedy diner on the bad side of town who has discovered that he has Thor's powers. Yes. Uh, if I were doing this character, I would say, all right, I'm going to take the expression theme, which is all about like physical physical manifestations of power, mm-hmm. uh, and then in that theme book, there are it actually there is a list of questions, and you answer three of those questions to determine what your what the strengths that this gives you and one question to determine a weakness that it gives you uh mm-hmm. so for example mate i i don't have it open in front of me but uh one of the questions in the expression theme book might be something like 
uh, what is the primary way that your mythos interacts with the world? And if I was Thor, I might say lightning bolts. So then I would have okay. the power tag lightning bolts. Okay. Um, and for the weakness, maybe it would be like, you know, what failing has this discovery of power caused in you? And maybe I would say like uh, false sense of grandeur or, mm, uh, okay. you, you know, you think you can hurt me or overconfident or something like that. Okay. I dig um, that. And then on the on the logo side, maybe I would say, like, I really want, you know, a big part of this character is this job. I might take the routine theme and call it like, you know Thor wants to own his own bar. Well, no, it would that this is something about the human side of me. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, you the yeah, so person like, with Thor's like, powers. Like I'm work like I'm working my way to the top. And so like maybe one of the strength tags that that gives me is like, you know, I could even pick like the bar owner, if I'm in, if I'm in good with him, maybe he becomes a power tag for me, and I can tag that, like invoke that tag when I go to okay, like, I'm, look I'm, for information. I'm kind of getting this. It's at its core, you come up with the broad themes of what you want your character to be, yeah, and then the game asks you questions that allow you to narrow that down into specific strengths and weaknesses that influence how well or poorly okay, cool. your attempts to interact with the world will go. Okay, so cool. say. Uh, Thor restaurant man is in a fight with another rift and I decide like alright he's distracted by this thing my other players you know my teammates doing I'm going to roll to hit him with all I've got and just shoot a big blast of lightning at him you roll 2d6 and you count up the number of strength and weakness things that you have that will apply to that roll mm -hmm. so using the example I have I'm like I've got you know blast of lightning that's going to count as a strength maybe we're in an environment, maybe, like, I have a weakness on one of my tags that, like, I don't want to damage the restaurant, and we're in the restaurant, that's going to be a weakness tag. Mm -hmm. So, Oh, dude, I really of, want to play this game. Oh, I'm... We're, <laughs> at some point, I'm going to put together... I want to put together a Patreon for Backstage Gaming once we have, like, you know, the listenership to support it, and one of the stretch goals is going to be an actual play podcast using City of Mist, because I want that... That'd be so fun. ...so much. I want to run that so much. Um, oh, my goodness. One more thing I want to say about City of Mist, and then I promise I'll shut up about it because I'm I'm just geeking out. The main <laughs> Isn't that reason what this I podcast wanted, is about. I mean, yes, honestly. <laughs> the main reason I wanted to touch on it today is not only is that method of character creation rad and very open ended and very able to allow you as a player to really craft exactly the kind of character that you want to play. The way that progression works is maybe the coolest thing I've ever seen. Okay. So you don't there's. The main way that you progress in the story is entirely narrative. So every one of those themes that I was mentioning, you know, you've got your the the themes that sort of establish who your character is and what their powers are and what their strengths are. Uh, each of them has, if in if it's a mythos theme, it's called a mystery, which is something you actually write out like a question that your character is looking for answers for. So again, okay. for Thor Restaurant Man... Uh, under that expression one, I might say something like, and I'm I'm coming up with this on the spot, so it's not going to be great, but the, maybe that mystery is something like, who killed my father? No, because... That, that was the first <laughs> generic one I, that's I threw fair. out. I might make it... And there's, there's, or is it like again, more metaphysical than that? It can be metaphysical, it can be specific. Uh, it needs to be something related to the mythos more than your Got it. regular okay. person. So maybe I'd say something like, it could be something like, who is my Loki? Or, okay. when is Ragnarok coming, or something like that. Okay, cool. Uh, and then on the other side, for your logos themes, you write what is called an identity, and that one is a statement. So for the restaurant one, maybe it's like, I need this job, or like, this job is my future. 
Mm. And then the game master's job is to create situations where you have to choose whether or not you're going to follow those core tenets that you have come up with yourself. Mm. So they're going to come up with moments where either it's going to be like those two things are pitting it pitted against each other or what you need to do to like solve whatever mystery you're going after is going to run contrary to one of those options. So that like maybe so cool. So maybe and again I'm just I'm spitballing here. Maybe there's a case where it turns out that like the guy who owns the restaurant where this guy works is the bad guy. And mm-hmm. so now he has to choose between, you know, his job and protecting the people around him. Oh man. And if Oh, no, continue. Oh, just wait. If you make the choice <laughs> that adheres to your identity or your mystery, so if he, like, makes the choice in, you know, if he has a chance to, like, blast the guy with lightning and he makes the choice not to and lets him run away, that's bad for the group as that's trying to solve the mystery, but he adhered to that identity, so you mark what's called attention. Okay. And if you mark attention, I think it's three times, your that theme gets stronger. You get to pick an upgrade for that power oh. set. If okay. you make the that choice sounds like that runs, infamous, kinda. Yes. If you make the choice that runs contrary, you mark on logos themes. You mark crack, and on mythos themes, you mark fade. And if you mark that negative version three times, you lose that theme, and it's replaced with a theme from the other category. Oh. So if you if you if this hypothetical character acts against his identity of needing this job as his future three times he loses that thing he loses the job he loses narratively the job. but he loses that theme and gains a new mythos theme as he is like the player you have made the choice that your character's like supernatural side is more important than their human side and yeah. so they become more supernatural okay so but but you lose the thor power no, you don't lose the Thor power. So, like, okay. if Ch- you choose a different mythos, though. Well, if no, you don't choose a different mythos, you you lose that logos theme, and you get a new theme in your mythos. Oh, okay. so you get a new suite of Thor abilities, mm-hmm. but you are now less human, and you've lost that suite of your human abilities. Okay, and vice versa. So if you're if you're like if you decide that your Thor, you know your expression theme mystery is when is Ragnarok coming and your DM is offering seeds of like maybe you're able to solve that but you choose to ignore it in favor of whatever the uh, the alternative is eventually you might lose that expression theme and you might lose the power to shoot lightning mm. and you'd gain a new logo so kind of like you'd it's like Spider-Man 2 <laughs> yeah it's it's all about this like constant your character doesn't progress so much as they change based on the choices you make. And the danger is if you ever lose your last mythos theme or your last logos theme, you lose control of your character because they've either become, you know, all mythos and like the D- the the DM then gets to choose like, all right, well, you've lost all of the things tying you to who you are as a human. And now yeah. you're entirely this being of myth. But if you lose all your mythos themes, then you go back to just being a regular Joe. This is really cool. It's a rad system. And I like, <laughs> this is what I th- wish more games were able to tap into where like all of those choices so, you make in character creation are the story and are it, what your so, character ends up being able to do. Is there a way to reclaim lost? Yes. The- There's okay. a way like the at the DM's discretion or yeah, in, exactly. in, in City of Mist, they're referred to as the MC, the Master of Ceremonies. But hmm. they can create moments where like maybe you know, the rest of the party is able to, like, 
snap you back into it, but maybe not. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a really cool system, and I'm very excited to get to actually play it and not just geek out over the rule books every night as my girlfriend looks at me with concern. Um, <laughs> I was I was gonna say I would love to do like a one shot of this, but this doesn't seem like a one shot well, type of game. It can be because uh, I actually shared this with you. There's a free starter set that comes with pre-generated characters. Okay, I did see that. I did yeah, so see there's that. there's four pre-gen characters and there's like a a sample case. So you can do it as a one-shot. You can do sort of like a quick and dirty, this is how the game works, this is how it runs, try it out kind of thing that mm-hmm. I would very much like to do with, like, maybe you and Brendan and Dakota or something. Yeah, um, that'd be fun. But I really want to do, like, a deep dive into this. I think that an actual play podcast based on City of Mist would be so much fun to run. I, um, I would love I have that. a lot of ideas. Uh I already so, yeah. have, like, an idea for a character. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I have, like, many ideas for characters kicking around in my head because I, I just, I love this system and I love how open-ended it is and like, allowing you to really come up with, like, exactly who you want to be playing as. Like, I'm warning you right now, a lot of this is, like, some of that JoJo's weird shit. Good, good. <laughs> okay, Get weird cool, on me. Cool, um, I love you. So that turned into a very long rant about a very specific game, but like that's... We just shilled for a game. Where's our money? <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, uh, hey, City of Mist developers uh, who kickstarted their whole deal. Uh, where's our cut? <laughs> um, where's our cut? Uh, but anyway, now I want to I transfer from that back mm. into more of the video game side of things and really into kind of an acting perspective because I want to talk mm. a little bit about... Like it's kind the of a continuation non- of the role play... Aspect. Yeah, uh, role play, but it's less character creation and may more sort of mechanical Decision character making. choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to talk about games that allow you as a player elements of choice over what your character can do. See, actually, Dylan has recently been playing a game oh, that yes. speaks into this a little bit, and he's been itching to talk about it. So, Dylan, hop on in. All right, Chris, I'm a level with you. I have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, the Devil May Cry 5 demo dropped yesterday. Um, People who have listened to this podcast since episode 2 will know that I love Devil May Cry. It's probably... It's it's one of my top franchises. I... um, But anyway... Forced me to play through the first level of Devil May Cry 2? Uh, Devil May Cry 3. 3, and... (laughs) You, You keep making that mistake. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. I also it's just didn't funny to I, me. I think if I'm remembering this moment correctly, you were like, "Oh, Chris, you'll love it. Play play through it once for me." And I was like, "Okay, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it real." And I set it to like the hard difficulty setting. Mm-hmm. And then had a very bad time because mm-hmm. I hadn't played a DMC game before. Uh, fun fact, Devil May Cry 3 is the hardest one in the series. Oh. So, you just <laughs> jumped right in. Yeah, I uh I did not do myself any favors there. I if do it makes like you feel the better. The non-special edition version of Devil May Cry 3, uh, the special edition hard mode is the normal edition normal mode. So you got the same Rude Awakening anyone who got that game back in 2005 <laughs> did. All right, that's fair. That makes me feel a little better. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yes, I've been I've been playing this game. I think I've played the demo at least 15 times in the 24 hours since it came out. <laughs> really? Uh, How uh, long dude, is this demo? <laughs> Uh, like roses are red oh man i'm obsessed (laughs) devil may cry 5 this game it's the best (laughs) um yeah no i like literally i got home from the gym last night and i was just like 
all right, I'll play Devil May Cry 5, and then, like, I'll, I'll do, I'll run through the uh, demo, like, three or four times, and, you know, it's, it hits midnight, and I'm like, all right, so, you know, I'll, I'll play it for, like, another hour, and then I'll go to bed, and so, like, one hits, and then, like, I, I basically got caught in this uh, loop of, like, all right, one more, all right, one more, <laughs> all right, I gotta get one more, man, I'm so close to an S rank, I just gotta get one more. <laughs> Dylan, score chaser, Gregory. I, I'm guilty. How, you you never answered my very damning question. How, how long? long how long is this demo? This demo? Oh God, I I don't remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You've just done it 15 times. No, no, no. Um, so like, the demo is I think three fights and then the boss fight. Um, so like. I want to say, like, 10-ish minutes. I know that uh, when the demo was at uh, different conventions, there was, like, a 15-minute uh, timer for it. So it is no longer than 15 minutes. Okay. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and say, like, an average playthrough for me has been about 10 minutes. All right. Okay. Um, I was yeah. thinking, like... 40 minutes and you've just been like a man obsessed no no it's it's not a it's not a 40 minute demo it's like anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes depending on like how thoroughly you're exploring and uh thinking about customization options oh yeah that's another thing the demo actually saves the currency you get so that when you replay it you can buy upgrades oh that's um, rad that's yeah, a really so, cool thing to do yeah so i fully upgraded like with the limited moves that are available in the demo I'm sorry, I'm get, I'm getting way off track, but it's okay. I, I'm I'm really loving this game. I I could talk a little bit about like this is for a different episode, but like um similar to how in Devil May Cry in in the second episode of our podcast we we talked about how gameplay changes really did a lot to kind of back up the different characterizations Dante has. Uh, Nero has like a completely different play style that like completely changes the way his character feels, his personality feels. But that's that's for another time. Tangentially related to that, though, uh, in Devil May Cry 5, you have the options of every character is, or every version of Nero in Devil May Cry 5, Nero being the main character of Devil May Cry 5, is going to basically be the same in terms of like what you have, like what skills you have. Uh, what is different, though, is that Nero has this new mechanic called the Devil Breaker mechanic, where he has a robotic arm. It's like one of nine different robotic arms, and each arm has its own different properties and attacks. Yo. So in the demo, there's one arm you have that is a rocket punch. So, like, you know, the like, arm flies off from his ah. and, you know, punches the enemy repeatedly. Um, and you can also call it back to you and ride it like a hoverboard. That's so good. That's um, so good. It's so good. I love it. Uh, there's uh, there's best I, michael b jordan truer words never spoken um true american hero there's there's a this arm called gebra which it pushes enemies back but you can also use that same propulsion to do air dodges yo and it's like like the fucking iron man gauntlets yes exactly like oh those. my god uh, and, you know, you're is this doing game going to be shit. coming out on PC? Is the demo available it on is. PC? It is. The demo is not available on PC. Fuck me! Ah, dude. 
Uh, yeah. Anyway, continue continue anyway. with your point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll try to keep my outbursts to a minimum. No, this is the Devil May Cry 5 cast now. Um, <laughs> there, there are those two arms, and then there's a third one that is just, you push things really hard. Uh, Nero literally sticks his hand out, and there's a giant electronic hand that just kind of comes out and pushes enemies. But if you charge that move, you uh, set off a detonation, and you, like, stick the arm into an enemy's grasp, push them away, and then you have the option of either letting, waiting for the arm to explode on its own, or you can shoot the enemy to detonate it instantly. Rad. And so, a lot of a lot of what people liked about Devil May Cry, um, specifically with Dante, is that Dante has these different styles and like he had, like different weapons, and so you can really kind of mix and match different weapons with different abilities to really make your own Dante. I vividly remember the IGN review for Devil May Cry 3. It, like, explicitly says, like, any player can play through this game with their own Dante. And the problem with Nero is that prior to the Devil Breaker, uh, Devil Breakers being introduced, Nero didn't have these robotic arms. He had one arm, and that arm did, like, one thing. And so there wasn't really a lot of variety to what Nero could do. So any player who plays Nero is playing Nero. You know, I, I found the Devil Breakers I really like. I found uh, the order I wanted to do them um, because they are also, they have durability, they can break. So you got to also kind of factor that in. But I was I was looking at YouTube clips and like everybody has their own way of using the Devil Breakers. Everyone goes into uh, fights with like their own style. And it's, and it's really cool to see how different people play Nero differently. And really, that's all acting is. Exactly. We Acting were is get just there. picking the right robot arm for the role. <laughs> uh, but seriously, that, that that's why I wanted to talk about this side of things, and like that's why Dylan had this as the example. Like the cool thing about, and this is more particular to live theater than to film acting. Yes. Um, but you can go see the same play at two different at you know any number of different productions and basically see a very different story being told. It's the same words, it's the same script, like Hamlet is Hamlet is Hamlet is Hamlet. But because it's being done by a new group of people, it's being done by a new creative team, new actors, what, you know, all we're doing as actors when we approach a role, particularly, again, in the theater, we're taking the script, we're taking the words, we're taking the lines that have to be said, and we're looking at them and asking the question of like, okay, how am I going to do this? Why am I doing this? What am I trying to get? How am I trying to get it? Who's important in this scene? Mm -hmm. And the thing about that is those questions don't have right answers. That's why you can see a production of Hamlet one place. You can see a production of Hamlet a different place. Or and hell, see you two... can even see like double casted. Yeah. Like the same production, see... just double casted. Yeah. And go one night after the other and see an entirely different take on the story because those actors found different answers to those questions that they were um, asking. My high school, actually, we did uh, double-casted versions of To Kill a Mockingbird and Les Mis. That's rad. I think, I think Les Mis was double... No, nah, no, nah, Les Mis wasn't double-casted. That that was my bad. Still, like, we, we did To Kill a Mockingbird, and that was double-casted, and we had different Atticuses. I believe we had different uh, scouts, and uh, Jeb? Jem? What was his name? Jeb, uh, I think. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, you know, different uh, Toms. That's the name of the, the man on trial, right? Yes. That's really and cool. So, yeah, it, it was it was really cool. They they all had, like, their own 
distinct performance. And it, it was never the same, because, like, even if, like, they read the line the same, they are fundamentally different people with different physicality and different voices. Like, yeah. you know, all those things are, in a way, like, that person's Atticus is still that person's Atticus, and this person's Atticus is still this person's Atticus. Yeah, like, that's, again, like, that is all the work. It's not all the work. There's more to it. Every time I say something like that, I'm like, I'm being very reductionist but like that is a big part of what being an actor is is being able to find your answers to the questions of like why this character is doing what they're doing and uh there was a there's a production that i didn't get to see but i really wanted to there was last october there were like three different productions of plays based on frankenstein around chicago oh wow (laughs) um and one of them that i really wanted to see that i didn't get to the actor playing frankenstein and the actor playing the monster Mm-hmm. Both played both roles on alternating nights. That's so cool. Right? <laughs> and just like thinking about that and thinking about having to do that kind of analysis on both of those parts and then getting to play off of the other person. Like, and I would, I would have loved to have been in that rehearsal room. Yeah. I would love to take on a challenge like that of like working opposite someone who is doing not just the same kind of work I'm doing, but actually the exact same work yeah. on the Sorry, same I'm, part. I'm fucking reeling right now because, like, that's just, like, that is a so br- crazy to it's me. It's such a brilliant idea for a show like that. Oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I, that's so hype. I love it. I know. I'm, I'm, like, that is one of the shows that has happened since I've been living in Chicago that I am, like, most disappointed that I never got around to seeing. Because, man, I wanted to see that. <laughs> Ooh, man. Um, but, like, that's the same kind of thing that you're doing in a game like Devil May Cry where you have all these customization options. Another great example of this is a game that I've talked about many times before on this podcast, but the mm-hmm. uh, the game, Dis- the series Dishonored. Yes. Uh, in which it can be a stealth game. It can be a first-person swashbuckling gun game. Mm-hmm. It depends on how you want to play the game. The game says, here is a room, here is a challenge, here is a scene, if you will figure out your way through the scene, here are the tools available to you. Yeah. And you as the player then get to choose, okay, how am I going to approach this challenge? And in doing so, you're creating a unique story. You're still Corvo, or you're still Emily, whichever character you're playing, if it's Dishonored 2, you can play as Emily, but you're taking on almost an actor-like role of saying, okay, this is how this Corvo is going to face this challenge. This is how this Corvo is going to get around this scene and is going to interact with these people. And by extension, you're sort of saying, this is what is important to this version of this character that I am performing as right now. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe you can argue that I'm, you know, thinking too much about this and stretching, but like, not really. You know, you're not doing it for other people, but you're doing it for the game. You're an actor, gamer. <laughs> go out you. and audition move to move to new york take up broadway oh, oh man yeah no that's that's a good idea <laughs> so you know i i recently beat uh kingdom hearts 3 with jordan jordan being my brother for people who don't listen a lot and we can talk about where that story goes some other time uh because i feel like it would be important to revisit uh an episode we had a couple weeks ago now that i have like the full story in perspective yeah uh, that being said, I uh, I started a new game on the harder difficulty on my own PS4, and I went with a magic belt this time. Uh, when I was playing with Jordan, we kind of went for a mixture, mixtures, just so he could, 
you know, he wouldn't be forced to use nothing but magic. He could, right. you know, start attacking physically if, because that's more his if style. If the need arised. Exactly. Obviously, uh, this affected my stats, and that's what I was expecting. What I didn't realize was, like, how much, because there are two choices you make in Kingdom Hearts uh, 3. I think the first one is for uh, what stat you want an increase in, and then the second one is, like, what skills do you want to get? So I was getting a lot more magic skills this time. And, like, they all did stuff like faster MP regeneration. Um, like, you you were given more opportunities to increase the attack of your magic. And so that changed my playstyle drastically. Because when I was playing it with Jordan, I would use magic. But the second, like, I ran out of magic, I would have to, you know, go in Keyblade Blazing. <laughs> and just, like, you know, whack Key Blazing. Key Blazing. Um, actually, the Keyblade I liked using the most turned into tu- dual pistols because Kingdom Hearts is a trip. What? Oh, uh, yeah, so dude. cool. Keyblades have transformations in three. It's like what? the best part. Yeah, it's the it's best the part. It's the Bloodborne of, of Kingdom Hearts games. <laughs> I guess that's better than being the Dark Souls of Kingdom Hearts games because then we'd be called hacks. <laughs> um, it, it, it was really cool because, like, dealing magic damage will get you MP back, and so, like, it's just this way to, like, really say, no, it's cool, you can be a wizard if you want, we won't take (laughs) that away from you. You're a wizard, Sora. Obviously, there will come a point where you will run out of magic, but we'll make that take as long as possible so you can really focus on being that spellcaster you want to be. That's Um, really cool. And, yeah, no, I, I love that. Which, it's sad because, like, it's contrasted where, like, Sora in this game is the dumbest he's ever been. Oh no. <laughs> like, you know, he he was like a normal kid in the first game. Uh and in two he was like a like, you know, he was a little goofy but like he wasn't dumb. I think Donald was like the dumb comic relief in that game. In 3 for whatever reason, I think he must have taken his stupid pills because he's not he's not a bright boy. <laughs> but yeah, uh there's one more game I want to talk about and then I'll probably close it out. That'll yeah. be all I have. Let's talk Breath of the Wild. <laughs> okay, we're back at it. We're back at it. That's a good, um, good, it's a good pick. It's, it's a, a good d- bake, Mary. It's a damn good pick. So, ironically, Breath of the Wild, the game where Link has, like, probably the most defined character, is also the one where people seem to be the most expressive with him. Yep, um, it's so Just cool. because you have so much freedom with what you can do with Link. And so that has led to, and this is this is less on the acting side more on the writing side but i i still think what matters is that it is on the creative side yeah um it's a game that is willing to revel in you as the player and your ability to think creatively and to come up with creative solutions to the situations that it sets yeah the way you can approach breath of the wild is like has so much creativity in it and is so diverse and everyone has their own way of interacting with this world that Nintendo has created that there for a time there were people would do illustrations and character sheets of their link sonas similar to uh spider sonas you might have seen in the wake of uh enter the spider-verse not enter the spider-verse uh into the spider-verse into the spider-verse thank you um where if you are unaware um after into the spider-verse which established that there are as many Spider-Mans out, Spider-Men, Spider-People. Spidey friends. Spidey friends uh, out there as there are universes, which means that there is an infinite number of them, and all you are limited by is your imagination. And so people 
have taken to this and they're like, this is my Spider-Sona, as in, this is my cool take on Spider-Man. Well, conversely, uh, back when, not back when Breath of the Wild was big, but like, when it was fresh, uh, people would do Link-Sonas, and they would essentially be like, based on how I've been playing the game, this is how I see Link in this world. If your Link for, uh, does the bulk of their game, like, hunting for meat and then cooking dishes, and that's how they get by uh, in all these different scenarios, uh, that is a character choice that is incorporated into this Link-Sona. Um, if you're Link-Sona being a portmanteau of Link and Persona, I feel like that was yeah. self-explanatory, but it, it might have ne- needed saying. <laughs> um <laughs> I believe it's a portmanteau of Link and Fursona, Dylan. Oh, of course. How <laughs> foolish of me. Um, I would not be surprised if there was at least one. We don't need we don't need to invoke Link. this curse in our podcast. <laughs> I, I uh, regret I regret evoking the powers. Are too, Chris. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware, and I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum. But anyway, um, yeah, I just I thought that was a cool way to end it because that is probably the most tangible thing of. Uh, what we're talking about when we talk about uh, role-playing as characters and making deliberate choices in how you are representing them. The fact that people felt so attached to these choices that they were making that they went as far as to, like, this is my Link, let me present him to you. I was going to say, you you even see that with Pokemon. Um, Oh, yeah, like we were talking about last week. Like, this is my Pokemon team. Yeah, yeah, and we talked about last week with, like, the different webcomics based around people's Nuzlocke runs. Like, there is something inherently creative about games that allow you to make choices. And things like this really speak to, like, that creative drive in people and people's willingness to, like, if you give them a space in which to play, they will play. And I really like that. Um, I think that, that that's a nice button to end on. I'm feeling let's pretty pin, good. Let's pin it up. Thank you all for listening to Backstage Gaming. I hope that you enjoyed your time here with us in the game zone. Um, we are, as always, very thankful to you for listening and would be even more thankful if you would help us spread the word about our show. Put our name on your mouth and then out into the world, into people's ears so that they can find us and listen to our words into their ears. Um, we're looking just to, you know... We're trying to have fun here. Are, are and we're you saying that we're a disease? We might be an, audi- <laughs> we're an, an audio disease. disease. We are an audio disease that you should transmit to as many people as possible. <laughs> there is no vaccine for backstage gaming. Uh, <laughs> and you can find the nexus of our illness at bsgpod.com. That is our website. It has info about Dylan and me. It has a glossary of terms that I have been meaning to update and haven't been doing a very good job of, but I'll get oh, there. Oh, yeah. No, we uh, just gave up. No, we haven't given up on anything, you fool. Uh, We've got our episodes that you can download. There's also a contact link if you want to get in touch with us. Please also check us out on social media. Dylan usually does this, but I'm just going to throw a quick plug in. We're on Twitter at uh, BSG underscore cast, and we are looking for you to give us questions because we're trying to do an audience question episode at some point in the next couple weeks. So hit us with those thoughts. there's a tweet that you can reply to on the Twitter or just tweet questions with the hashtag BSGPod. Dylan, hit us with the rest of those social media links. All right. Um, so you can check us out on Facebook. You can check us out on YouTube. And, you know, if you ever want to talk about us, we we advise that you use the hashtag BSGPod. Um, and if you like the artwork that we use on our site and in our YouTube videos, that is done for us by our friend Brennan French. 
if you like his artwork, you can check him out at brendanfrench.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen French.squarespace.com. You know, you can also check out his stuff on Instagram at brendanfrencharts. That is, again, B-R-E-N-N-E-N-F-R-E-N-C-H-A-R-T-S. Brendan French Arts. It's it's pretty self-explanatory, but like yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> we got there. Uh, you can also <laughs> check out our friend BioQuery. He is the guy behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1, Instrumentality. Uh, he has a new album dropping on Spotify on February 13th. So when this launches, when this episode is out, that will be in two days. If you're listening to this on the Monday that it releases, two days from now, there will be new BioQuery on Spotify, and you should check that out. You should also check out his SoundCloud, which is at soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. There's also going to be more podcasts in the world with Dylan and my voices in them. You should check out the next arc of the Unexplored Places podcast, an actual play podcast hosted by our friend Christine. They are a rad dungeon master, game master, that's what it's called in that game, and they're running Monster of the Week. And the new audio drama podcast Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mystery, is going to launch its first actual episode on February 20th. And if you listen all the way to the last episode of that, you will hear me having terrible things happen to my body. It's going to be a great time. It was a ton of fun to record. And that recording session actually happened in the same room where they record uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern here in Chicago, which was just a huge geek out moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that you all joined us for this week. I hope that you had fun listening to us having fun talking about stuff. And we will talk to you again next week. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.